What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Season Dose of the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sherman Webb Middlebrooks, the lifelong Buffalo resident and full-time black man. Got my co-pilot, my player partner here as usual, and a very special guest. We got a great one for you today. If you didn't hit the subscribe button, make sure that you do. Make sure that you like this, and make sure that you share this with somebody who could find some value from the game. We're going to chop it up here in this conversation today. Good brother. There you go. Welcome back. Um, Antoine Johnson, program manager with Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative at Buffalo Prenatal. And like Sherm said, we got a special guest today, Mr. Daniel Robinson. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? Appreciate y'all having me on. It's good to be here with my brothers. Right. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This, so this is a privilege. Even before, I know you're going to go ahead and get us started on the agenda. But, like, if you don't know, like, these are really, like, my brothers here. So, like, I'm excited that we got the good brother Daniel on here um, just to chop it up with us, just talking about fatherhood, manhood. Um, these are two men that not only um, are, are tremendous fathers, but also out here in these streets trying to save, like, other people's kids and helping uh, men in the community show up as better men and better fathers. Um, so they out here in the trenches putting this work in with me. These are my battle buddies. So this is a, it's a privilege to, to sit on set with y'all today. <laughs> Man, I always learn something new from you. Um, matter of fact, I remember we were sitting in the class, uh, the Nurture Fathers group, this past Wednesday, and you were talking about um, a piece where, like, you know, this is a first generation of man that's able, you know, that's yeah. able to like heal and so forth. Like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, and it's it's interesting. Um, so I, I I heard it from Charlemagne the God. So I like to get credit where it's due. But he was talking about how like we're part of the first generation of people, <clears throat> specifically men, that get to heal like from our traumas, heal from like our, our emotional wounds. And we have the privilege um, to reflect and with time and space and have conversations like this with our peers, have conversations with generations before us, generations after us. And when I think about people like my pops, like in his mid-60s, like, man, he's just trying to enjoy his fourth quarter of life. Like, you know, he, he healing counseling therapy like that really wasn't part of his makeup that was really wasn't part of the culture yeah, yeah. when he was coming up but when we talk about like healing and reflection and triggers and mental health and wellness like that's a real normal part of our vocabulary now and i think like us being the first generation to have this privilege to have these kinds of conversations it's up to us to make this a normal thing for the young folks that's coming after us to focus on your mental health and wellness so just really recognizing the moment and, and the zeitgeist uh, of, of when uh, we're living hey, there you go speaking of that it's a good segue into a piece that you sent the other day right the podcast is it or the, or the panel discussion so like when you sent that and when you looked through it like what, what was going through your mind and honestly, I was thinking about the conference, right? Because, oh, okay. you know, we're in the process of um, planning the fifth annual Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative Conference. Um, and just seeing them brothers from different backgrounds get up there and just talk about the importance of um, black men taking care of themselves, you know, addressing the mental health issues. Um, but they did it in such a way that was kind of like the modern version of kind of having that conversation where it seems like, you know, oftentimes we have those conversations, panels can be kind of dry, um, but they have brothers from just different walks of life. I would have loved to see some more, get some younger people on that panel, um, but I think the conversation and just what they brought to the space was really good. So yeah. I wanted to share that with y'all because, you know, the work that we have coming up, you right. know, it might yeah. trigger some thoughts and ideas. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, I was listening to to one piece a gentleman was talking about, I forget who it was, and he was talking about how um, us as men, we have to deal with, like, our traumas and stuff like that because if 
whatever we don't confront or conquer, like we we will inevitably pass it down to our kids. And I was like, yeah, man, facts. like it made me think about a quote that uh, Pastor Reggie Cox talks about. He, he does fatherhood work too, and he talks about how whatever we don't confront, whatever whatever we don't confront, we won't conquer. Right. right. And so he, he talked about that in the context of men dealing with their feelings, their hurt, their traumas, all that stuff. You know, and then, then when I heard the piece that the gentleman shared that it's going to be passed on to our kids, like I didn't necessarily think about that before, but that's huge. Right. And, and so they talked about the intergenerational trauma and all that stuff, mm-hmm. man. And it runs so deep, you know, yeah. for us as, as, as men and, and our children. Yeah, I just, I mean, that concept of epigenetics is real. So, like, you you pass that on, like, in your DNA, like, but also, like, that's, like, the internal, but thinking about, like, the experiential stuff. So, what are the things that, like, so, yesterday, we took my daughter to the dentist, and she had, like, a little bit of anxiety about going to the dentist, and I was trying to, like, figure out, like, where is this nervous energy coming from? Like, I don't, like have a lot of angst i love the dentist ever since i was a kid so i'm like i don't think she getting this from me but like and i find myself getting frustrated but i'm like instead of getting like frustrated and thinking there's something wrong like figure out what's happening like stay calm don't like project frustration on the kid you just gonna make it worse doing that she already nervous try to figure out like what's going on in her thought process and maybe you can like interrupt some of those like thoughts that's causing her to feel anxious but i'm like looking at her mom, like, is this your side coming out? <laughs> like, because like, it ain't me. But, like, it's coming from somewhere. And, like, instead of just being like, ah, just tough it up. Like, nah, like, that's not, that's obviously not going to work. Right. So just trying to understand, like, what's the root of it so that way we can, like, really deal with it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That, that's a good segue into talking about um, this whole piece around dads and their daughters today. Right? So, all of us have daughters. Mine's is probably the youngest at three. Uh, to, in fact, this morning, I had like a proud dad daughter moment or whatever because I was out. My Simone came home last night with a flat tire, and uh, I was looking at it. So I'm like, all right, called the called the insurance company because I'm like, I'm about to do this. Like, we so we we don't be having accidents and stuff. Thank God. So I'm like, the only thing I really use them for is the tow and when the flat tires. Yep, yep, <laughs> so yep, we pay two hundred twenty dollars a month for that. Um, and so, but they ended up playing games. Didn't come. I'm like, yo, we got stuff to do. I'll do it myself. Took Isabella out there and like, like she was really she was really helping. Like she took some of the lug nuts off. So after you after you untighten it then you know what i'm saying it's you know right, easy right. so she was doing that stuff and i'm like yo <laughs> like, yeah. this, this is cool yeah. and then the other part yeah. i was thinking about and Simone was like oh yeah because i don't know how to change tires i'm like like i want her to learn those life skills right. you know because you know so many times people are like well that's that's for men like let a man do that like i grew mm-hmm. up in a in a family full of women and so they always every time something go wrong we'll call a man where your cousin at where I'm like, yo, y'all are fully capable of doing stuff. They would look at me to take out the trash. I was happy to do it. But my female cousin is fully capable. Call her. <laughs> fully capable. Yeah. Equality, right? <laughs> so, you know, just thinking about that in relation to how, how we can equip our daughters in these different ways. Like, like what are some things that you guys are either doing or thinking about doing or whatever? Well, I mean, that in, in particular, like, I don't know how to change the tire. So, like. Those are the kind of things that, like, I definitely want her to, like, know how to do. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I want her to just be like the better version. All my kids, like, just be a better version of me. Like, I don't care, like, if you son or a daughter, or even though I only have the daughter, um, and my goddaughters, but like, just be a better version of me. Right. So, like, I want her to learn those kinds of things. I know, like, when I take her to Walmart and, like, I'm, like, impulse buying and I'm, like, messing off money, I'm, like, consciously, <laughs> like, listen, you got to be better than Nada. You got to be better than me. You got to be, be-, be better with money than me. So, like, I'll, I'll call out the things that, like, I want to improve on. Like, I, y'all see, like, I'm always doing too much. So, running here, running there, I'm like, yo, you got to be more on time than me and your mom. <laughs> like, those are the things that, like, I'm calling out, like, what I want to, like, yeah. improve, but it's also, like, a way of me being accountable. Because when I'm taking her to school, and she's like, oh, we late again. Or I'm like, oh, so she know, and, like, she's annoyed now, too. And it's like, okay, well, hopefully she's annoyed enough to not want to be that way when she grows up. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's that's my approach. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy that you even bring the late school thing up. So, like, I'm thinking about doing summer camp. All summer, Layla was, like, the summer camp every single day. Tight with me because I'm just like, oh, man, I got to get up, take you to camp. Like, right. not making a big deal out of it. But she's like, yo, let's go. I want to be at camp one time. So, like, one morning, um, got up late. She's like, I got a field trip. I'm like, what time is the bus leaving? Nine o'clock. I'm like, all right, so we got to get up, rush, get you. I'm like, all right, I learned my lesson. We're not going to be late for camp no more, right? Because now you're mad at me because you almost missed a field trip. No, but thinking about, um, like, you, I don't know, change the tire either. I'm calling. Geico, and they send their people yes, out to this tire. I don't have time. <laughs> um, but uh, I try to have Layla around me whenever I'm doing stuff around the house. So, like, I think y'all both know, I've talked about this, like, cutting my lawn is, like, therapeutic. I love being yeah. in my yard, just doing stuff in my yard. So um, I remember during COVID, right, um, I had this pool of water just in my yard. It just wouldn't go anywhere. So I was looking up stuff online. They like do build a French drain. I'm like, I've never done this before. <laughs> all right, so look up all the materials I need. Go to Home Depot. Go get the stuff. Layla's with me. So next thing you know, we in the yard. We digging this trench. That's got to go down at least said six feet. I wasn't digging down that deep. Oh. It was like four. Um, but we built a French drain. So now she know how to build a French drain. What's up? Um, she carrying mulch from the car to the different areas in the yard. I'm recording there. I put it on Facebook. People are like, you make your daughter do stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, this is daddy-daughter bonding time. Yeah, like, yeah, she's learning in the process. Layla takes the trash out. She washes dishes. And Layla's 10, so she can do this stuff. But she loading the dishwasher. She's starting to iron her clothes. Okay. Like, she's becoming independent, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, she want to cook in the kitchen. It's like, she, she enjoys doing all those things, man. And just like... Um, Last week, last minute school shopping, right? It's just a million things going on, always running. So, like, we legit go on Labor Day. <laughs> or was it the day before? What day was Labor Day? Monday? Monday. Monday. We that went was Sunday. Monday. <laughs> Caught all the sales, though. J.C. Penney's was in and out. Okay. And then we went to a couple different stores in the mall. But, like, we going through. She picking out her clothes. I'm like, Layla, I think these pants will look dope. She like, no, daddy, I don't like those. <laughs> I'm like, well, she was like, uh, there's nothing to match them up with. I'm like, match them up with this shirt. It was like some, the pleated pants, bunch of lines, yeah. whatever, whatever. In them. I'm like, trying with this shirt, this shirt. She go in, try it on, she come back out. She was like, daddy, you know what? I actually like this outfit. You know, like, <laughs> got some style, you know what I mean? Yeah. But even that, that triggered a conversation when we started talking about style. She was like, yeah, dad, these boys now. I'm like, boys. Now we talking about this conversation <laughs> earlier, right? Talking about these boys. I'm like, what you Talking about boys, it's like no, like they don't really have no style. But you got style, like you could be chill. Then I see you in your suits and stuff for work, and then you kind of got the in between. 
I'm like, all right, you peeping stuff. Like, that's what's up. <laughs> Maybe it's just how much you actually pay attention to everything that's going on. Yeah. Right? I'll stop there because I'll keep going talking about like, yeah, no, that's good, though. That's that good. good. You, <clears throat> you made me think about like my daughter because she was like, and I'm mad that today I did it because she right. She like, I'm trying to like, wear this, wear that. She like, oh, you dress plain, Dada. All you ever wear is black. And I got them all black today, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, all you ever wear is black. That's, is that your favorite color? I know you love black people, but like, do you always have to wear black? Full time blackness. <laughs> like, it's comfortable. Like, I just, like, I don't be thinking about getting dressed. I'll be thinking about other stuff besides like what I'm going to wear. So, like, Give me some sweats. Give me a free T-shirt for, like, an organization that, like, I'm representing. And I'm out the door, like, and I'm good. Like, I don't – I had a time where I really cared a lot about that. But, like, I didn't know she was paying that much attention to me. And so, like, when I – like, how, like, your daughter said, so, when, like, I might throw on a, a suit or a tie or something, like, she would give me a compliment. And it's like, oh, okay. She she sees that kind of stuff. And, like, so she be paying attention. But – it's, it's definitely interesting having the conversation about style with my goddaughter, who's 13, though. I took her to the mall. We was walking through. We went in, like, every clothing store. I'm just trying to see what she liked. Everything that this girl liked had the belly out. And I'm like, uh, why everything you like got to be, like, like forest green with, like, the belly showing? Like, you just look like a, a, a you want to look like a yoga teacher or something? Just <laughs> <laughs> like I was just mad confused, but, like. I had to, like, explain to her that, like, just understand, like, what you're going to attract by what you're wearing and know how to handle it. So I'm not saying don't express yourself how you want to express yourself because if I say don't do this, don't do that, that's going to be the first thing you want to go do. Yeah. So, like, if I could just explain to you, like, okay, I understand you want to present yourself in a certain way, but in the mind of, like, boys that's your age, when you present this way, right. this is the message you send into these boys. Right. And when they respond to you in this way, how are you going to handle it? What's your plan? Right. And so those are the conversations that I try my best to have with her, even though she think I'm crazy. My daughter three, so we ain't there yet. Those <laughs> conversations I have with my wife, because I, you know, tell you it's hot outside. She'd be like, how does this look? And I'm like, I give her my opinion. I don't, you know, I don't be rude, but I'm like, listen, you don't like dudes looking at you. You wearing that, that's exactly, you going to get stares. I'm like, you need to think about it. You going to the gym. Like, all right, you leaving with that? Okay, all right. <laughs> just know, <laughs> just know you going you to get some looks. So every now and then she'll be like, yo, these creeps looking. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, for our daughters. So, so this is a nice segue into talking about raising daughters and preparing them for relationships with other men. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Dang aside, no, um, I don't want to think about it. Like you know, one of the things that my wife constantly has to talk to me about, and I say constantly, every so often, it's like, well, you got to make sure that you're intentional about hugging her and showing her affection and all this. Because I'm naturally, I'm, I'm not that way. Like I'm, you know, that's, that's not my go-to. Um, and she's like, yo, you need to. Like my daughter came to me the other day. She had a dress on. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And my wife's like, no, like, you need to tell her she's pretty. And, I, and I'm just, I don't think that way right now. Yeah, right? And yeah. she's like, no, like, you need to be intentional about complimenting her and being the first guy in her life to make her feel special. And I don't, you know, again, that does not come natural to me. The affection stuff's still working on. But, like, so how do you guys navigate that? Man, that's, it came easy for me, man, like. <clears throat> I know I've said this to you guys. I've said it to Jamil too, man. Like I, when Layla was born, um, it 
it didn't resonate with me right away. That's like, yo, you're dad now, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think when, you know, over the course of some time, you know, a couple of things happened, which I won't go into um, over this, you know, on, on the podcast. But, um, you know, I think when Layla hit age three, it was like, it really hit me. I was like, damn, man, I didn't realize you could love something so much. Like, every fiber Mm-hmm. Of my mm-hmm. just being like, mm-hmm. I love her to death, man. You know, I look at her; she's she's growing up, she's older now, and it's just like this is like my little twin, man, like through and through. Mm-hmm. And just to, I don't want to divert because you gonna have me thinking about the boys thing, <laughs> the relationships, but um, just to see, you know, where she is now. She's like the sweetest little thing in the world, man. Just can feel everything, cares about everything, wants to be super helpful. So, like, the 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 nurturing and just the – it's easy to love on her, man, because she's so lovable, yeah. right? Um, it helps that she's just freaking adorable, too. Like, like <laughs> I'm going to have a problem, man. She's, like, she's lately a pretty girl, man. It's just – it's only going, you know, be magnified as she gets older. But the um, – I think it, for me, it was something I never had from my dad, right? Because that was in my life. And Same. to some extent, my mom wasn't overly affectionate with me. Um, but I think it's, I don't know, for me, it just came naturally, man. I think it's easier for dads to be like that with their daughters when they, um, you know, develop and share a close bond, man. Like, we'll sit on the couch and just watch a movie and she'll just come snuggle up. Or I'll be in my room, you know, watching ESPN and she'll just come jump in the bed and, um, you know, Years ago, it was like shit just lay there for a little while. Now it's like I'm coming in. It's kind of like peck on the cheek. And it's kind of like her like little check-in, right? Just checking in, <laughs> just, <laughs> just checking right. in yeah. make sure you're yeah. all right. Yeah. And then I'm going on about my business, man. So it's like I just I, I cherish those moments, man, because, yeah. you know, they say as they get older, you know, those moments are, you know, fire and in between, yeah. you know. So um, I want as many of those moments now before she, you know, go to prom and college and uh, get engaged and get a serious boyfriend. And we all know they're going to have that first, that first heartache, how you deal with that first heartache, right? Yeah. Somebody breaking your baby heart. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, man. And it, I think it, it does something for me too, from a, a, a therapeutic standpoint, just knowing that we have that close bond, like, yeah. you know, kids love you unconditionally, but um, you, you say that, but it's a different, it's different when you you know you act you feel that connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I <clears throat> I relate to every single thing that you said, especially the part where like you're like raising your twin, um, just and like that bond of like and really the part where you shared about like not getting a lot of affection from your parents. Like my dad, he was not an affectionate person, um, present but not. Heavy on I love you, definitely not heavy on like the hugs and stuff like that. My mom too, but like I knew she loved me by like what she did and like what she said, but not heavy on like I had to tell her probably like maybe like a year ago, like why when I leave your house or when I come in your house, you expect a hug from mama, but you don't care if I hug you. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't care if I hug you when I leave. Like I want a hug, so like that's gonna be our thing. I had to intentionally say like when I leave, mom, I want a hug because like I didn't get that a lot but like when my kid was born well, when my daughter was born like I was like okay so this is my kid to like hug on and love on like the way that I wanted to be hugged on and loved on when I was a kid and I didn't get that yeah. and so I'm like well, well this baby is mine so like if I want to hug her I'm a hugger if I want to snuggle I'm a snuggle like 
Like, I wish I had that. So for me, it came supernatural because I felt like that's what I wanted, and I wanted us to have that bond. Yeah. And the same thing, like you were saying, like the random time just popping in on me. Um, I just feel like those moments are super special because when she gets older, I'm not, I'm not gonna have that. And like, and that's to be expected. But like, just being intentional um, about making the most out of every opportunity now, um, and telling her those things like. So, for example, my daughter, she got, she wanted her hair straightened for first day of school. And, like, I love my daughter. Like, I want her to embrace her natural beauty. I don't want her to feel like, because she watch a lot of Disney and stuff like that. And she around different kinds of kids with different kinds of hair textures. And I'm just like, I don't want you to feel like your hair that God gave you isn't, like, beautiful, isn't, like, good. And so... I'm like, I'm, you just want to express yourself differently. I'm not going to try to control you. But I, I love my curly girl. Like, I like, to be, like, where's my curly girl at? And she's like, but I, when I say that to her, and she's feeling beautiful and feeling pretty with, like, her hair being straightened. Like, I don't want her to feel like, oh, my dad doesn't think I'm beautiful. My dad doesn't like my hair. My yeah. dad hates it. And I kind of, like, I'd just rather she kept her curly hair. So now I'm just like, you still look beautiful. You look awesome. Oh, I'm telling even though, like, I'm lying. I'm like, I wish she still had curly hair, but, like, that's her body. That's right. her choice to, like, make that decision even at seven. And I think, like, being able to, like, empower my kid and trust her, I think is important. The other thing is she got my sarcasm. So, like, she know she would be sweet and kind around everybody. But when it's just me and her, like, she give me, like, crazy attitude. Be talking to me crazy. And my mom be like, why y'all talking to each other like that? Or her mom would be like, y'all talking to each other mean. And she be like, we always talk like this. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, that's what we do. And it's just us. We be trolling each other, like. Can't be doing this in front of people. They're going to think we rude. <laughs> so, like, but the fact that, like, she even got, like, my sense of humor and sarcasm, I think is, like, dope, too, I guess, even yeah. at this point. I love that, man. Layla and I have some of that same, because I can be sarcastic at times, too, man. And she picks up on it. She, sometimes she'll fire something back at me. I'm like, well, well, wait a minute. I don't even want to come back for that, right? <laughs> it's like, all right. You're making me proud. Yeah. Yo, you said something that triggered a thought, man. I, I lost it already. But uh, you just talking about just the natural beauty, man. I think about, it was a movie that came out not too long ago with um, Lauren London with, uh, what's the white guy's name? Oh, they uh, had the... Jonah Hill. Yes, whatever it movie was on that Netflix. was. The comedy... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, whatever that was, right? But I remember seeing, I think it was like on Facebook, there was a comment about how many different hairstyles that she had in that movie. And like, I've really started to like look at like, yo, she really had like a different hairstyle in almost every scene, scene it seemed like. But I love like Layla's versatility, man. It's yeah. just like, you got a three year old, you're seven, yep. and 10, man. And it's just like, all the stuff we kind of talking about, you're going to see. Yeah, right? yeah. It's coming. <laughs> you're running right um, at it. <laughs> but even going back to the affectionate piece, I've noticed how. This, it's a shift has occurred, right? So at three, I'm picking her up, carrying her everywhere. Love that close, yeah. mom, right? She get a little older, they a little heavy now. I can't yeah. pick her up the way I used to, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? She'll be hurting my back. Um, but now it's like, even when we were shopping, right? We're walking in the mall, and she'll, like, real subtle, just arm in arm, like you would walk with, you know, walk a lady down the aisle or whatever, yeah, yeah. like walking, the, you know, later across the street. I'm just like, man, that's different. It's not the same as it was a couple of years ago, but right. still, yeah. I'm like, where'd she even see this at? Right. Wow. Right. That's super right. cool. That that makes me think about um, this idea that women tend to go for men 
that remind them of the father for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like it's kind of scary how that happens. Like my, my wife's father who love him dearly, my father-in-law, we had similar like character traits and you every should now love and then, him. He probably just like you <laughs> <laughs> some ways, you know, and every now and then my wife, my, my mother-in-law will like pick on us and be like, you act, yeah, just like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like that. That's so funny though. And, and, Obviously, there were things about him that attracted my wife to me, mm-hmm. and vice versa. There are things about my mother that attracted me to my wife, mm-hmm. and so I think about that sometimes. But when it comes to raising our daughters, because for again, better for work or for better or for worse, our daughters are going to look f- for men to men that yeah. remind them of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's deep. So for me. I am very close. I got a lot of like girl cousins, women cousins, and I'm very close with them. They're all like they're like siblings. But the beautiful thing is like we're not siblings. So like, and their dads are my uncles. So like, I have and my uncles all treat me like I'm like their son because most of them have daughters. And so like now that we're grown, I'm looking at them. I'm like, you pick that man because he like unk. You pick that man because he like this part of the unk, this part of that. And they're like, what? Well, I'm like, your dad do this. Your dad is a street. You always picking street dudes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it does. <laughs> like it. You didn't put one and one together. Like your dad wasn't there all the time. Like my uncle tried. He was in and out. Like so now you picking men that's like in and out all the time. Cause like he had multiple families. Now you got a man that's got multiple families. So like your dad was like locked up. My uncle was locked up. So like now I'm like your kids got dads that's not active and involved. They're locked up all the time. Like and but you don't. You wasn't aware of it in order to intentionally break the cycle. Next time you meet a man, intentionally break the cycle. Because, like, I love you, but, like, I can't raise my little cousins. Like, I'm not their dad. So that's where a lot of these conversations will come in from. Will be like, because I, and they be living out of town. So they like, I see what you're doing, like, in the community with the young people. Talk to your little cousin. I'm like, I love all my little cousins. I'm the favorite. So I'll talk to them, do whatever you ask me to do. If they got to come stay with me for the summer, they can come stay with me. But, like, I'm not their dad. And none of their dads are dead. None of their dads are in prison. Like, none of their dads are, like, out of town. So, like, holla at their dads because, like, I can't be, I can't feel that void the way that, like, their dads. And before you have more kids, reflect and heal on yourself. But for me, that made me want to realize, like, my daughter is going to probably pick a guy that's like me. So, like, that's why I have to continuously, like, improve myself, be honest with her, be transparent with her, be accountable to her, and make sure that, like, the the version of me that she sees is, like, the best version of me all the time. Like, I love being around my daughter because whenever she's around, I know I'm functioning at, like, my highest level of me. Like, I'm vibrating at my highest level. Like, I can't. Once she leave, though, you might catch a lesser version of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when she's around, I am vibrating at my highest level possible. And, like, that's why I love having her around with me. Because I love this. Ver- this is the best version of me that you ever going to get when she around. So, that's, I think, like, that's the benefit of, like, just being conscious and intentional. of Knowing that, like, she's going to seek somebody like me. Okay. Keep her, keep bringing her to the fatherhood groups. <laughs> Sherman, that's interesting that you bring that up, right? So... Um, and we, I might segue us into that conversation that you kind of mentioned that I really don't want to have. <laughs> but um, just thinking about how you guys mentioned, you know, your daughters are probably going to more than likely date someone that's like you. 
I'm hoping that one of the, I, I think that's based on traits and characteristics that you mm-hmm. display, right, that they constantly see. <clears throat> one of the things I hope that she doesn't pick up is the, I wanted her to have a crazy work ethic, but not to the level of that I'm functioning at right now. Because mm. oftentimes I feel like I'm always running. And I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier, man. It's just like, go, 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 go. Got to be here. Got to be there. This community thing going on. Got to go do this presentation over there. And oftentimes she's with me when I'm working, right? So she sees these things. And I know she pays attention to it because I remember she did an assignment for school. Um, And in the assignment, she wrote about, you know, she had to pick someone that she admired and why. So um, she picked me and then she wrote about um, my dad is always doing stuff with breaking barriers and young men of color between the ages of 12 and 24. (laughs) I'm like, she took this verbatim off a flyer, but whatever. Um, But then, you know, sometimes she's with me when I'm doing different bartending events and stuff. So she's like, she always sees me working. Um, And, you know, I think we have these conversations like, yo, we shouldn't be working all the time. You got to take time and enjoy life, but we don't pay attention. We still grinding all the time. I want her to understand that, yeah, you got to grind for anything that you want in life, but you also have to take time to, like, stop and smell the roses and enjoy your life, too, right? And travel and do the stuff that you want to do. So I'm hoping that she finds some balance, a healthy balance um, with that. So that that, I'm fearful of that a Uh, little bit, you know, going forward. I I agree with you. My daughter, I could not agree with you more. It's the same thing. Like, my daughter asks me every single day, what are we doing today, daughter? Like when, whenever she wake up, so basically, like, what's the agenda? Like, are we going to are we going to your job? Are we going to which job? Are we going to are we going to open Buffalo? Are we going to the job downtown with the with the roof? Are you going to work with your kids? Are we going to be an Uber for your kids? Do you have to take your because I you know when you do case management, a kid got a job interview, a kid got a doctor's appointment, something like that. She used to like yeah, chill in the back, like me and the kid gonna be in the front. We gonna I'm gonna do my job, but she sees she like. So what job are we doing today? What are we doing? What are we, do we get to be lazy today? Is it Sunday? Can I get be? Lazy? And I'm like, wow, you got more anxiety than me. You talk faster <laughs> than me. Like you done processed and thought about all of this, and you just want to answer. And I'm like, we gonna go to dance class. Like today, we gonna go to dance class. And then I got, then I gotta go to work. Well, what job are you doing? I'm doing a podcast today. Oh, you doing a podcast today? Yeah, but I gotta go to work. So when we going to Dave and Buster's? <laughs> I'm like, after the podcast, but I gotta do the podcast. She's like, okay, as long as I get to go to Dave and Buster's. So she just like. What's next? What? And then what's, then mommy coming to get me? Then what we having for dinner? And I'm like, whoa, you're seven. You should not have, like, this level of wake up every day with, like, this yeah. level of, like, anxiety and, like, productivity. Lord, what are we doing today? And even when, like, she plays, so, like, when she plays with her dogs, she's playing school. Or, like, she's playing, like, she put them in a circle and say, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, oh, I know she's seeing me and her mom because her mom do the same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, she see what me and her mom do. So she play work. <laughs> and, like, her, like, when she plays, she's the, she's teaching. I'm like, you play jobs. Like, you're not playing, like, imaginary. Like, you're, like, and on her tablet, she likes to watch the people editing that play with toys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they put their videos out. So she'll take the tablet, she'll play with it. I'm like, oh, you trying to edit video. She like, how do I put this here? How do I put that there? And I'm like, oh, I can show you. And as I look up, I'm sitting at my computer, and I'm editing the video. And I'm like, oh, she's doing what I'm doing. But, like, I love, that's the other thing, though. Like, my dad didn't love what he did working in the factory. Like, so that's the privilege and the benefit of, like, what, what I do get to do. So that's the part that I get hung up on. 
So it's not like I'm working crazy at something that I don't love, that I'm not passionate about, that I'm not building anything. Right. Like, I'm working crazy hard and passionate because I love what I'm doing. Like, yeah. this is a legacy to me. Like, this is what my purpose, this is what my calling is. So I don't mind working crazy hard at this. Yeah. But, like, I don't want her to develop that toxic productivity, too, yeah. where, like, her ego, her identity, her mental health is associated with how well she's doing yeah. or how many things she's accomplishing or how busy her calendar or schedule is because that's the issue that I have. Yeah, y'all, y'all preaching good, man. You know, so this making me think about a couple of things. One of the, one of the things was um, this, this psychologist was talking about in another podcast I was listening to recently, like, women use, like, 7,000 words a day compared to men using 2,000 words, right? So when you talk about, like, your, your daughter and just the way that the women's brains work, um, they can do a lot of different things, think about multiple things and be cool, you know, whereas us men, we tend to think about things in silos or boxes, like, right, got to do this first, then yeah. this. Then. Women don't have that problem, apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Then the other thing that you were talking about was, like, the workaholism, workaholism thing, yeah. And my wife and I, my wife watches a lot of like reality shows sometimes, mm-hmm. and they had this one dating joint on um, Netflix where uh, I guess these couples they go they all go out to a spot to like test their relationship. Right? I wanted to watch so, that. Yeah, so it was like okay. how committed can I be to this relationship, or I go live with this person for like three weeks and see what happens, right? Like, are you gonna stay faithful to your partner, or are you gonna mess around with this other person who you being tempted with? Right. So anyways, anyways, we're watching this show and this one chick on there was like she was a workaholic, like all she cared about, was like status, like working. Um, and she was pressing on one guy like, all right, are you, when you going to start a business, when you going to do this? And like so now he's feeling super pressure <laughs> and it's like trying to measure up to what her expectations are, because she all she and all she talked about with the, with the dudes that she was interacting with was work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like. What else do you do besides work? And th- that's all she was talking about. I'm like, yo, like, I would never want to be with a woman like that. Like, <laughs> I, so we didn't plan on my wife being a stay-at-home mother. Um, and I struggled with that at first. But, like, it's cool. Like, that's what, she, that's what she's doing this season. It's cool. But, like, the work workaholic thing, like, always being worried about producing and, and, and owning this and doing it. Like, yo, like. Relax, <laughs> you yeah. know, and so I, I, I say all that to say, you know, I think you all are right. I think we all struggle with that for, to one degree or another with producing, working, trying to, you know, be the best version of ourselves for our community or whatever. But it's like we, we really do have to grow better in that area because the truth of the matter is they're going to we, you know, we read the quote by Rachel Cruz, more is caught than taught. Yeah. They're going to catch what we're doing more than they do what, we, what we're saying to them. It's being you know, projected right. onto them, man. I think about it even. I don't think it's wrong to have high expectations for your kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Super high expectations for Layla, right? Um, I think some of that just comes from the fact that academically I had super high expectations on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, grammar school, high school, college had tailored off a little bit because I knew I was just competing with a million people at UB. Like, just not going to be valedictorian at UB. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I saw a clip on, um, it was either Instagram or Facebook the other day, and uh, it was uh, parents sitting down doing homework with their kids, right? And it was like math, and that's like truly resonated with me because I was like, that's me. That was me with Layla last year. Like, I'll just, simple example, three, ask your kid, three plus two is five, is, is what? 
they're going to say five. But then when you sit down to kind of do it with the figures or they got to draw it, write it out on the, on the paper doing this clip, they kind of showed that the kid didn't get it. It was like it wasn't clicking that it was five, mm. oh, right? Okay. And I found my time, I found myself at times getting frustrated with Layla doing homework because it's like, you notice, but why is it not computing right now we're doing it on this paper? Right. And it's like, I got to, as you said, kind of step back and not project what I'm feeling onto my kid because I'm just going to make you get be more frustrated and then you're just going to be like, bump this, don't worry, I'm, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Tears start flowing and then it's like, yep. now I feel like a sucky dad. <laughs> <laughs> All because my expectations are so high and I want you to get it because I know you know it. Yeah. I want to make sure I don't... I want to do well academically. Like, I want to be yes. top dog. But yes. how do I go about ensuring that, you know, that uh, that pressure is applied, right? That's like the buzzword of everything. You got to make sure you're applying pressure. <laughs> I know I'm going to take you somewhere, right? <laughs> but not so much uh-huh. where, you know, she felt like she's a city honor kid and going to want to go commit suicide because she didn't fail the test. Right. Like, those kids at city honors have tremendous pressure on them. Um, you know, from an academic standpoint, like I want Layla to do well in Excel, but not to the point where it's damaging or affecting her mental health. Right. Yeah. Like it's funny that you say that because me and um, me and Mahogany's mom, like we were talking, and somebody I won't say who at her school was like, "She coming back to the school again?" And then he was like, "Yeah," but her best friend is like leaving. And, like, going, they've been best friends since pre-K. And me and her best friend's dad is cool. So, like, we they get to do, like, the play dates and stuff like that outside of school because her dad is a real good dude. Um, and so, like, no, nah, she's like, well, I wouldn't keep her here past second grade because, you know, like, at third grade, that's when they start focusing more on, like, the kids with behavioral problems and not, like, the kids who, like, have – academic ability like your like your daughter so like if you want the best for her it's probably best to like get her out as soon as possible <clears throat> and so just was talking with her mom like okay so what we gonna do we behind the eight ball like all the applications everything done closed so she probably gonna have to go back for like another year so like we're gonna rock it out here but like what's the how do we get her to like a, a more challenging environment because like she is like above and beyond what it's not challenging for her and so I'm like, City Honors is the go. City Honors is the go. She like, they started at like fifth grade. She only in second. I'm like, no, for high school, like that's the go. She got to get there. And then from there, or like, or like a private school. And then she going to network because like, when I, now that I'm in like my 30s, like the people that's doing business, the people that's working, luckily I've been outside since I was a teenager. I went to a small high school and a small college, but like I've been outside. So I met people, I know people. But, like, most people work within, like, their social network from, like, high school and college and grammar school. So if I send her to a school where, like, these kids don't have the brightest future because their parents not intentionally investing in them and pouring into them and putting them in position to succeed, then who are going to be my daughter's friends that she going to call to start a business with, that she going to call to, like, support her, like, through her academic and personal and professional goals and achievements? Like, who is going to be her social network? What social capital am I? Who's, gonna, who's the pool of friends? 
that I'm allowing her to pick and choose from. So I got to, like, do as much as I can to put her in an environment where, like, the, the friends she has to choose from are going to be young people who family and parents are setting them up for success. But, like, what I don't want to do is, like, make homework or academic achievement, like, a chore right. or a punishment. So, like, when I was in, would get in trouble, my mom would be like, Go to your room, take TV out, take everything. All I had was books and the dictionary and could, like, read the dictionary and write or, like, write, write. So, like, now I always associated reading and writing with, like, punishment. So, like, I don't, like, want to treat my kid like that. Like, you get a reward to read. Like, reading is your reward. Or over the summer and after school, they don't give homework in first, second grade. I buy her to highlight workbooks, like, different workbooks, math, science, just big fun workbook or whatever. And so I'll have her work through those, but like she would get frustrated. And so now I'm like, well, you like spending all my money at Claire's, right? You <laughs> like going to the mall. You like buying these little video games. Well, each page in this workbook you do is 50 cent a page. And now I'm going to stop making you do so many of them. Now you got to want to come to me and say, dad, I want to do this. I'm, I'm, you want to make some money? Work hard. I want you to associate reading, writing, and working with how you make money. Yeah. So that way, like, when you want to make money in the future, you know, put some work in, and then the money is going to come. So not making it a punishment, also not trying to bankrupt myself either. Right. <laughs> so, like, every page in a book she reads is 10 cents a page. Right. So, like, you read a book with 10 pages in it, that's a buck. You keep reading, and you keep making money. Like so, like, that. that's what I'm in the process of trying now, and that's why we got to go to the mall after we leave here. <laughs> she's working hard. By the time my daughter get a little older, well, she's not that that old, that young, but I'm probably going to do 25 cents a page. Um, <laughs> yeah, inflation. Is crazy. Yeah. You made me think about something, uh, a few things. So this other thing that I was listening to the other day, they were talking about how, like, you know, you got to prepare for the future. Like, you, you were, you know, wait the way you were describing those things, like, the, gen the gentleman was like, you know, in order to be, you know, where you want to be in your 30s, you can't wait to your 30s. You got to prepare in right. your 20s. And right. he's like, if you want to be where you want to be in your 40s and 50s, you got to do it in your thing. And I'm like, man, that make a lot of sense. Like, it feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah. It, like, that make a lot of sense, right? You don't, you don't reap your harvest in the same season um, that you're planting, right? Amen. You got to plant first. And then you, you know, so that which you were talking about, that makes a lot of sense. Um and then the other piece, and we, we did this with, like, a financial education course we were teaching, but it was this whole idea about, like, commission versus uh, allowance, right? So allowance, kind of you get the money regardless of what, what you do. Sometimes parents have chores and the kids do one sometimes, but they don't do it, but they still get the allowance. But the commission piece is like, okay, now it's like five different things that you can do. We only got like $20, so your commission will be based off this $20. But if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you ain't getting it. Right. So I like the, <laughs> right. the whole book piece, like, because, you know, if she don't read the pages, she don't get the money, yeah. right? So so that's that's super cool. Um, so as we, like, kind of winding down here, one of the things I was thinking about, too, in relation to this piece around dads and daughters is the fact that, you know, studies show sometimes where when men know that they're having daughters versus boys, they're less likely to be involved, Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think some of that is because they feel more comfortable with raising a boy because they can teach him how to play ball or do whatever men do versus daughters where they feel more uncomfortable because they're like, yo, I don't know how to do this stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, it, for me, it was the opposite, though. Like, so when my daughter was born, like, cool, I've been around women, so I can I can handle this. My son was born, I'm like, I had a lot of anxiety. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm not a lot, but some anxiety around, like, 
how am I going to teach him how to do this stuff, yeah. right? I'm a man, but again, I didn't really grow up with my father like that. So I'm like, you know, there are certain things that I just wasn't taught at the times that I thought I should have been taught to. So it was, it was the opposite. But in, in light of thinking about how some men are less likely to be involved in life of their daughters, I think one of the things that really like made fathering daughters really cool was the Kobe piece, right? Yes, sir. The hashtag girl dad Definitely. piece and everybody was, you know, taking pictures with the daughter <coughs> and so forth. You know, as, as we're winding down, let's talk about, you know, how Kobe helped to mm. further like dads being involved in the lives of their daughters. You want us to cry on a podcast? I don't right. cry. Because you <laughs> Yo, know, like, we like, like two of the biggest Yo. Kobe fans there are, man. Yeah, like, yeah that was wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just making me think, like, man, I had Kobe post over my bed as a kid. Like, man. That, go ahead, bro. <laughs> go ahead. So, that's very interesting that you brought that stat up because. That for me, I was excited about having this art. I was just kind of like, I'm gonna show everything I know how to do. So it was kind of like, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that fear or anxiety. Like, you know, I grew up house full of women too, so I don't know if that kind of contributed to it or not. But um, the girl dad piece was like, I, Kobe has probably done more in his passing than he did in his entire NBA career. Like for black men, right? Because the the whole idea of having this mamba mentality, right? Um, even, you know, some people not may not remember it, but he kinda made it popular for a little while. The whole idea of Carpe Carpe Diem, right? Mm-hmm. Um seeing Kobe with his daughters was narrative change for black men. Right? Of how you should be with your daughters. Like um, I want Layla to get to the point where she wants to pick up a basketball because then I can really – I haven't pushed it on her. I'm waiting for her to do it, right? And like, ball is my favorite sport, but I'm, I'm waiting for her to, like, Dad, all right, I want to play ball. Um, and she getting to that age now, so I'm hoping she gets to it, gets to it sooner <laughs> or later. Um, I don't even think we pay attention to the, to the fact that Kobe has such an influence. His death has such an influence on how we now – I think it's a renewed sense of pride, excitement, and just sheer enjoyment of being dad's two daughters. Yeah. Like, take pride in being a girl dad. Like, yep. But yep. I have to attribute that to Kobe in, in some sense. I yep. take pride in being a dad because, because of the fact that my father wasn't there. But when you're a girl dad, I feel like it just takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree because I feel like, and I, I don't have a son, but I got nephews, um, and I feel like most men, I, I said this all the time, like, if I had a son, like, I probably would have raised, like, I was 25 and toxic, so I probably would have raised, like, another toxic male into society, cause I, but I needed my daughter to heal and focus and, like, evaluate things like that I had to deal with like as a man and the kind of man that I was going to be and the kind of man I was presenting to her. And I was like, okay, I got to make these changes. So I'm incredibly grateful that like I had a daughter because like she changed and saved my life and made me grow to be the kind of person that like God really wants me to be. Um, And I was just comfortable and complacent and immature and nobody was holding me accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, But like having this young person that's like looking at me like, 
just instantly was like my accountability buddy. And I feel like out that with like Kobe kind of like being like the marketing arm for being like a girl dad, like it became normal. So the same way we were, we started off the conversation talking about normalizing like healing and mental health and wellness, like, and making that cool, making that the thing to do. I think Kobe and his relationship being so public with his daughter and like really focusing on like the girl dad aspect of it, like that made that the normal thing. And I was like proud to like, oh, I got a daughter too. Yeah. And like I started like looking at some of the brothers who only got sons, like, yeah, you can't join in on this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this the girl dad club. Like, I can't see my son at Little League and that's cool. Like, but I got like the girl dad thing. And so like yeah. just being more proud and being more public. I think um, that that gave a, a title. It gave us a vocabulary word to use, something to like, uh, something to hashtag when I make a post with with my daughter um, to see other men joining and being a part of that. And I think the impact is longer lasting because of what we said in our conversation about how um, how our relationship with our daughter is going to influence the women that they grow into. Mm-hmm. So like the Kobe's influence is going to be exponentiated through us as men showing up, being active, involved, proud, girl dads. Um, his legacy is going to live through, like, the women that we influence. And, like, that's something that I, I've spent many a, a quiet car ride kind of thinking about. Wow. Wow. I didn't realize how deep that was. It really is, man. You think about, I guarantee you, those last moments that they had in that helicopter. Mm-hmm. Kobe was probably the calmest person in that helicopter for Gigi. Yeah. And just probably just grabbed her and had, like, you know, just yeah. the last moments was just yeah. him being calm and trying to nurture her and let her know that it was going to be okay, even though he knew it probably was going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, we we as men are natural protectors of women, mm-hmm. but you get super protected over your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a different level. Yeah. Um. And it's like, you know, we've all heard Nas' song, Daughters, and, you know, it's definitely lines in there that definitely resonate, right? Um, that, yeah, that's my joint. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, I was kind of mentioned it earlier, man. You don't, you don't want your daughter to experience hurt and pain, but, right. you know, eventually it's going to come because that's just life. It's just life, you know yeah. what I mean? So um, I think the, the whole girl dad piece was just I mean everything happens for a reason I think honestly man for Kobe to leave us when he left us how he left us yeah it probably it probably was for you know just that you talk about that legacy piece and just building better dad building better men to be fathers to their daughters man I, I it was a higher higher being a higher a higher I don't know. Meaning to it at work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we as we close, you know, you you made me think about this um, sermon I was listening to recently, and you know, the pastor more or less was talking about that. You know, it's not how much time that we have. You know, some people live really long, and others not so long. But it's about like how effective were we, right? right. Like, what do we do with the time that we had while we were here? You know, not that we live to be ninety nine or a hundred. Like, but man, if you live to your 30s, what did you do? 
Um, so listen, man, this was a really good episode. Glad one that, glad one that you were able to last come thing, on, though, I, I'm sorry, I gotta say this because for men, the idea of protecting our kids so often, yeah. the being angry and aggressive and wanting to like be the the bad tough guy, mm-hmm. like to protect our kids. I think what you shared, because that's the same thought that resonated in my heart about what those last moments with them must have been like. And for me, that taught me protection is also being her complex. So when the world is crazy, like, I can't beat up everybody. I'm 165. (laughs) And if I take somebody out and I got to go sit down in jail because I did something crazy, now I'm really not here to protect you. So So thinking everything through logically and, like, the best thing I could do to protect my child most times is literally being that cool, calm person that she can just come to when everything in the world is frantic. And so that's exactly what I felt like Kobe had to be for Gigi in that moment. It's crazy that we shared that same exact thought because that's what that taught me we're gonna, sorry bro we're gonna have to bring this back yeah. because you just triggered another thought for me <laughs> yeah. man because can, can we go there real quick just real quick we got time two seconds we always preach to young men right about decision making and you know one bad decision can just change your entire life but i think there's a heightened sense of awareness around how we navigate and the decisions that we make and how we move in the world because we have those daughters because of the instances that you just kind of alluded to. Like, if you out, you know, I think we pay even, we always pay attention to our surroundings, right, just as black men and being growing up in neighborhoods that we grew up in. But you always think about the fact that if what if I do something here, mm-hmm. that's not going to allow me to get back to my daughter. Right, yeah. And I got to make sure I'm here for her, right? Um I joke about it, and I say, like, Layla's the only person I'll ever go have to sit it down for. And if push came to shove and it's, like, it's me protecting her over something else, I'm going to do what I got to do, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to jeopardize me not being able to be here for her for stupidness out here. You know what I mean? And and that's something that I think we we put more emphasis on it when you have a daughter than you would actually having a son because, man, we kind of grow up with that. Just independence, I'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be all right. But it's like you worry about your daughters like when they're not around you, like for real, for real worry. Yeah. Yeah. I know I was just going to, ain't nothing like that parental anxiety when you got your daughter. Okay, I ain't going (laughs) to belabor the point because we can't, we need to. Invite the good brother back for part three. <laughs> now, I'm, now, I'm gonna let you go ahead and wrap it up. I've been talking. Good. <laughs> Whoa, that's your part. You, all right, listen, we appreciate you guys being with us. Um, as we talked about dads and daughters and so forth, you know, as Sherm would always say, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and make sure you that you tune in for the next episode of the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative podcast. All right, peace.